Broken Dial Radio. Hello, I'm Paulie Kroll, and thanks for tuning in to Broken Dial Radio. This is actually a special bonus episode called Reading Notes because we're going to be discussing books. Joining me on this podcast is my sister Naomi Molay. What you're about to hear is an excerpt of a podcast we were working on about two years ago, back when we read the books, but we never had a chance to release it. I wanted to release it now, as Annihilation, the film adaptation, is currently in theaters, and I thought this could be a good accompaniment to that. Please feel free to reach out to us at Broken Dial Radio on Twitter or BrokenDialRadio at gmail.com. Without further ado, here is our discussion of Annihilation and Authority by Jeff Vandermeer. So yeah, um, what should we start off with? Uh, we might as well start off with books because right. um, that's how this was supposed to, this is what this was probably supposed to be about in the first place. And I also kind of... Uh, Finished the book that we were supposed to be reading together. Uh, really, I did. That's unexpected. It's unexpected. <laughs> it wasn't on my list, but um, the last couple days actually, um, because I realized I work way too much to get through that book, and I was kind of at a midpoint in it where it was just, uh, it wasn't boring, but it just took so much of my attention to focus on that I wasn't in that state of mind to do it. So what I did was I did the auto audiobook version of it. So I read half of it. You can get through them a lot easier when you do audio. I listened to the other half of it. The audio book for uh, the book we're talking about, by the way, is Authority by uh, Jeff Vandermeer. Um, it's the second book in a trilogy. It's the Southern Reach trilogy. We both read uh, the first one, Annihilation. Which won some awards this year. Yeah. Um, I, I looked up a little bit about that. Um, apparently, his books are very, very well regarded and reviewed. Mm. Um, and not surprisingly, it's... Uh, I really, really liked Authority. I loved Annihilation, but it was short and it was easy to get through. Um, whereas this one yes. was a bit more dense and complicated. Not like it's a huge book or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, it was still like Annihilation was super short and it was amazing how much was in it as far as like depth for that short a book while it was still like a super fast read. Yeah. Um, Authority just dragged a little bit more and it was longer page wise. But I mean, it's always the second book in a trilogy, so that always kind of happens. Yeah, the first, but the first book, Annihilation, like you would think, the first book in a trilogy might like kind of get you into the world, but it just threw you right in, like literally. Because um, <laughs> I guess we should talk about the theme of it a little bit. Um, years and years ago, some kind of environmental catastrophe happened, but it was so like um, forgotten about by the media at this point that nobody really know remembers what exactly it was because it was never actually explained. The government kind of covered it up. So there's this there's a military presence now. Yeah, there's this government agency, the Southern Reach, that has control over it. They they have a base there and everything like that. And they're finding out they're they're in the media's eyes. It's just like there's a there's a military base there because there was an environmental catastrophe. Whoever knows what that means. But um, what's actually going on is they're sending these groups of people, these expeditions, um, into Area X. Um, which uh, I don't want to spoil too much about it, but we'll probably end up spoiling a lot about it anyway. So <laughs> pretty much the uh, easiest way that I could explain it is there's a border that you can't get through except one um, portal or doorway where you can get into the 
uh, Area X, and it's a pristine wilderness, and some really weird stuff happens there. A lot of technology doesn't work there, and it's very like a, it's almost like the environment is take, taking back the world, um, is the best way I would explain it. But um, so uh, uh, Annihilation throws you right up in there. You're part of the expedition. A group of all females um, are on this expedition. Nameless, nameless females. Supposedly the twelfth expedition into the, into the um, southern reach, but yeah, they uh, they they don't go by their names. They only go by their job description: biologist, uh, psychologist. Right, and the story is from the point of view of the biologist, and she doesn't even really have a lot of information about why she's there. So we have no more information than she does, and probably less than that towards the end of the book. Yes, um, but it's a great book. Uh, the second yeah. book, um, however, I, I'm willing to spoil the hell out of that. Um, <laughs> it's com- Don't spoil the first one, but the second one you can yeah, Exactly. Uh, completely, um, to, to just turn like a series of three looks like that on its ear, they take you completely out of the pristine wilderness of Area X and put you into the institutional office space world of the Southern Reach which is um, not as in control of everything as you would think they are. They actually have no idea what they're doing. They're just kind of sending groups of people in willy-nilly because they don't know anything better to do. Yeah, you thought... At first, we thought that the people in charge actually had a whole lot of answers. Well, come to find out, they don't. And the funny thing is that the second book, although um, in the first book, they were out in the wilderness and there was a lot of, like physical, dangerous things that could happen. The second book I found much more horrific. Just like having to live in that daily office setting. <laughs> Absolutely. It was it was a great uh, polarizing um, read from the like, um, how excited she was about being, especially like the, the characters, the biologist was so excited about being in the pristine wilderness and that's why it kind of like um, like things happen over there and, and the Area X kind of grows on you, you know, it, um, you, you, you become either on its side or, or your own side, I suppose is a good way to put it. But, um, and then you transfer over to, to this book to authority and it's like, um, it's so, everything's so, uh, seems at the beginning, it seems so normal and so stale and like, Oh, you're in an office and he has to go to work. And it's almost like, that's kind of like why I got so dull in it. It's like, Oh, I don't really want to read about this guy going to work and having problems with the people he works with and stuff. Yeah, like that. This is and what like, I do every day. Yeah. But, um, it gets a lot weirder than that. It's such a slow burn that makes it, that's what I like about this book a lot. I, I think I like this one better than, than Annihilation because everything seems so normal for so long that when it starts getting weird, it gets really, really weird. And then, like, the, the most normal thing he's explaining, like, if he's talking about the carpet in the office, like, because <laughs> he's talked about it a few times before, but then you realize, like, wait, this isn't right. Why is, why, why does it look like that? And why is he focusing on it so much? You know, it's, um, Kind of like uh, movies like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas or something like that, whereas like you could just have a hallway in a hotel, but it just something looks off about it. And it's uh, funny that you'd mentioned Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas because when I visualize in my head the story when I was reading that book, that's the type of pictures I saw. Is like super colorful and super exaggerated. Like um, you know, he just he he explained things in that way. Yeah, 
Except for I would, how, how I think Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, obviously Las Vegas, everything's very vibrant. And this one, it's like the same thing, only like the dull version of it. Like it's colorful, but it's not the kind of colorful that you that is pleasing to the eye. Yeah, but it's still got that same grimy feel. <laughs> yeah, the Las Vegas grime without all the pizzazz. That's, that's, that's a great way to put it. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite, favorite scenes in the book, you find out that... Um, um, the main character in this book, they call him Control. His real name is John. Or he calls himself Control. Let's get that right. <laughs> yeah, he calls himself Control as a kind of fucked up joke because his his grandfather made a joke about him and nicknamed him Control. And for some reason, he decides to call himself Control to his employees on the first day, which would be real weird. Um, I'll, I'll go by Control. And I forget what, <laughs> what the assistant director tells him, but... Um, in that case, call me. Oh, Did I you say I patience? Yeah, some, yeah. In that case, call me patience. <laughs> like the opposite of what she has. Yes. <laughs> one of my uh, favorite, like I was saying, one of the favorite things you find out he he's put here because his mother is deep into the organization that runs Southern Reach Central, almost like the CIA Central Intelligence Agency is the is the is the idea I get off of Central. But um, so she's like a spy, and she gets him put in here. He's has a controller, or I guess controller is a bad word. Seen as his name's control, that he has a uh, somebody he's, he reports to called the voice with a, a disguised voice, shady phone calls, and um, you find out that he's actually being hypnotized by the voice to um, carry out their agendas and everything like that. He finds out, and one of my favorite scenes in the book is when he. Find, he figures that out and when he actually breaks it. So he finds like, um, cause people that are on expeditions are being, um, sent out into these expeditions under hypnotic suggestions. A lot of times somebody will be there and giving them hypnotic suggestions on things to do or a way to not be afraid of exploring certain things. And, um, so he finds these post hypnotic suggestions and writes them down. And when he calls the voice, he writes himself a note that says um, he sets a, a, a bullhorn to go off every 30 seconds or something. So the guy tries to hypnotize him. The bullhorn goes off. It snaps him out of it. He has a note that says, scream uh, uh, vulgar profanity for 30 seconds <laughs> and, and then go down to the next line. Check this off and go down to the next line. So pretty much the bullhorn goes off. He screams, whatever, and then um, throws the voice off. And um, does this a couple times and then finishes off on the last line by saying those same hypnotic suggestions back to the voice where they absolutely clear it. And I just thought that was an awesome scene. It was, yeah. uh, he's like drunk off his ass during the whole thing. And it's just like really, really cool. I mean, that scene, that whole part of the book really surprised me because up until that point, you, you kind of, it's a very unreliable narrative and you don't know if he's just completely like paranoid and crazy or if something crazy is actually happening. And that kind of actually is the first time that it's like proof that he isn't completely crazy, even though he may be somewhat paranoid and crazy. He's not completely paranoid and crazy. Absolutely. Well, it's just the veil being pulled back of like, it's, it's, it's an obvious unreliable narrator thing where time is disappearing and weird things are happening, but you don't know where it's coming from. You don't know if it's him or something to do with area X or obviously the voice, but, um, it, it's that part where the, the tide of the book really changes where he stops being such a puppet and starts trying to take control of what's going on and of his own life and things like that. Mm -hmm. For what seems like the first time in his life, probably. Um, right. 
but it's it's a real real crazy part of the book there, and I liked that a lot. But yeah, it was an so awesome, like was awesome. now you know now you know why the um, direct is her name director is she the director? Why she was able to why she was able to go in and out of Area X when no one else could. Well, I don't know exactly why, other than the fact that she grew up there um, under right. under. I mean, this isn't going to be too comprehensive to people who haven't read the books, obviously. But if you have, this will be a fun little journey. Um, (laughs) But plus, whenever I'm listening to people explain books and I have no idea what they're talking about, that's when I really want to go read the book. Yeah. But Um, There's an important character that was there when Area X started, the lighthouse keeper, and she's in an old picture with him. It's found out later on in the book uh, as possibly part of the science and seance brigade which is another awesome thing that he did in that book. Um, uh, uh, actual uh, a cabal of people, I guess, um, or group that um, both kind of like investigates science and supernatural as one thing. Um, I read a cool story about the author where he came up with that. Um, I don't know if you saw anything on that. But, no. Um, he went and visited uh, this uh, art exhibit where this guy did a garden with lots of like very strange geometric shapes. And um, I guess um, when he was there, there was a group of uh, physicists that were conducting experiments there. And at the same time, there was a group of psychics that were also investigating this place. Um, <laughs> and he just thought it was the, the, the weirdest thing seeing these people like trying to investigate the same thing, and he came up with the Science and Seance Brigade, which I think is just <laughs> super cool. I'm trying to look back at my notes from 14 years ago yeah, when I finished I'm sorry about uh, springing this on you. I, uh, I know I took a while and, and surprised you on a podcast that I finished it. Um, so what was your whole take with what happened? Okay, so there's the biologist who came back, and... Like, there's this whole theme of, like, mimicry going on. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, we might as well touch on, um, there's, in Area X, there's a topographical anomaly. There is a, a tunnel slash tower slash hole slash staircase thing that goes into <laughs> the ground and has uh, fleshy breathing walls. And uh, going down the staircase, there's a message written on the wall and some kind of organic moss. So that's the the majority of where all the weirdness is coming from. There's a message written on the wall, and it's very unsettling words that uh, don't make much sense unless you start thinking about them. I guess is a good way to put it. Like, uh, but people get a little obsessed with the area. I, I I have the the most of the text here. If, you, if I should say, go that. for it. All right, <laughs> I haven't heard it in a while. It so, um, written down the walls here in an organic substance is. Where lies the strangling fruit that came from the hand of the sinner? I shall bring forth the seeds of the dead to share with the worms that gather in the darkness and surround the world with the power of their lives, while from the dim-lit halls of other places forms that never could be writhe from the impatience of the few who have never seen or been seen. In the black water with the sun shining at midnight, those fruits shall come right, and in the darkness of that which is golden shall split open to reveal the revelation of the fatal softness of the earth. The shadows of the abyss are like the petals of a monstrous flower that shall blossom within the skull and expand the mind beyond what any man can bear. And it just goes on and on like that. Did I tell you that he um, dreamt that? You did. And that's 
That was the beginning of the story. He was in like a flu-induced fever haze, <laughs> and he had a dream about that, and he started writing the book. Yeah, you you told me about that. I also um, looked into him a little bit. I I read about that. He had a dream actually that he was going down into the tower, and the words were in the wall, and that's well, where the whole idea for the book came from. Um, and apparently he can remember a bunch of writing in his for dream because he says that's what it said, but I could never remember two seconds of one of my dreams, so I don't know. About so all that. now these I know, but um, now the. Where anyone who goes into Area X can't really get out. Everyone has difficulty getting out, no matter how hard they try, or a lot of people don't try. But the only people who have come out just appear randomly somewhere outside of Area X, and when they're found, um, they don't have any recollection of leaving, and they're they're acting kind of weird. Absolutely. So, uh, in this book, the biologist comes back, who is the main character in the first book. But even she's acting as if she's not really herself and she's stating that. And this idea of like mimicry keeps coming up where it's almost like they're mimicking human behavior. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering like what your take on all that was. Do you have a take or um, a lot of this is there's still a third book. So some of this was not, we don't have any spoilers because I we don't know. <laughs> I don't have much of a take other than like, I, I kind of got the feel for that, that like they were sending back clones because the way the first book ends doesn't make you seem like the way she would come back at all. Um, but I don't have much of a take on it. Like, I have no idea where it's coming from. This book is very fucking mysterious the way it asks all these questions that you, can, you can't figure out. It's not a mystery. Uh, and like the first book asked all these questions and eventually most of them got answered in the second book, but not in the way that anyone would have guessed. So I'm no. almost not going to try to, but other than the fact that like in the book, um, when he, when he finally figures out, or when she says for like the last time, I'm not the biologist. And he just says, I know you're a replica. And she, she, there's no reason he should have known that. But at the same time, it was such a great time for it. Cause I was feeling the same thing. Like, obviously she's not the biologist at this point. Like shit, right. isn't, this shit isn't correct. That what's happening <laughs> here is just not right. And there's no way that that character became this. Um, so, but what's, what's interesting to me is the fact that the, the replicas or at least this replica, cause the biologist was special. She was a, um, very strange person. Uh, I loved the hell out of her in the first book, but yeah. she's a very strange person. Um, maybe just her, but I don't know. Um, it's not like they have this agenda or anything like that. Well, that's They're an still interesting... trying to do their own. She's, she was still trying to do her own thing. It just so happened like... that what she did led to another kind of catastrophe in itself. So do you think that the director coming back the first time and going against protocol was her normal behavior well, or no. And then you have to ask the question, the same thing of the voice, like is the voice's actions, um, his own behavior or is there, is there an agenda? Like it's all very confusing. It's, it's, it's all it's, not unsolved at this point. It's, it's a separate question to me because I think, um, the Southern Reach is and has been a part of Area X for a long, long time. Um, like he said, you, you can't trust a word like border. Like, just because there's a border there doesn't mean any of the, the strangeness that's happening is seeping through. Like, it's so obvious by the end of the book. Like, nothing in this place is, is right. And they've been investigating it. So that's the last place that could have possibly been right. 
But I mean, the I'm time... not right. How about Cheney? <laughs> Jesus. Well, <laughs> that was an uncomfortable part of the book. The we talking about the <laughs> painting part where he uh, lightly puts his hand on the back. Oh wait, is that Cheney? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Up in the up in the attic area. Yes. Yeah, that was uh, uncomfortable. Is the word for it? I loved it. He 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 he's looking at this grotesque mural on the wall. And then he, all of a sudden he realizes the sound he's hearing is breathing and turns around and Cheney is like wide-eyed gawking at him laying down in this shelf. Um, and he's so afraid to run away, Cheney just kind of lays his hand on the back of his head and kind of starfishes <laughs> finger. Oh, so creepy. I don't I don't know what's up with Cheney at this point. All I know is that was some great, like, yeah. some great scenes there. Yeah, absolutely great. Um, but you asked if the director has been, obviously she's spent, uh, she had a objective of some sort. She was doing a lot of weird stuff, but she was there when it, she was possibly there when it started. So it's possible that she's been doing weird stuff the whole time has been, I guess you could say a double agent, but that's the, the point I got out of it is it's not so much a double agent as, um, the set central has an objective. They want to control, they want to bring humanity back to normal humanity. Whereas Area X, I get the feeling that it doesn't need an objective. Like, it's like the, it's some kind of like environmental catastrophe where the environment is actually doing better for itself. It is, like they said this, that's why the, the scientists of the Southern Reach had issues with each other. Whereas they're like, what are we trying to fix? Because this is like the best place in the world. You know, like they didn't say yeah, those exact like words. But the only like, thing that they want is is the control back. It's yeah. like they're striving for this control that they don't need and shouldn't have. Yeah. So, like, saying, like, what agenda was she trying to, like, what could she have possibly, do you think that she was trying to, like, because you know what happened to her when she went in in the first book. That's obviously not what she was trying to have happen, you know? So, like... Well, we don't necessarily know what happened to her because... She she may still be there. <laughs> she I'm pretty sure she's dead. I mean, she you seems so? to die in the first book for, from a stupid way, and she was pissed about dying in such a stupid way. And a replica was sent back in her place, but it was a powerful replica, maybe from the the time that she has spent there, because she's like the the longest active Area X recruit, I guess you could say. <laughs> but um. But I really don't think that the Area X has an agenda other than, like, growth. Um, anything that, like, you know, it's it, to me, Area X just represents nature. And how are you going to, like, battle that? Um, it might be complete insanity, but, like, there's not much you could really do about that. But instilling, like, our uh, morals or our, our what we call humanity, you know, like, right. the, the animal aspect of us can't be denied either. So. And I mean, I also, I got a, I got a, a hints in the book um, of like a nature versus technology theme, which I know I talked to you pre previously and you didn't necessarily. I totally agree get with that it now. I, 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 was, <laughs> I, I didn't get it then, but absolutely, you were on the right page there. Um, and the other overlying theme that I really liked about both the books is this idea about humans like. Uh, so there's there was a sentence in the first book, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something about her going to Area X was like a, an attempt to like search for oblivion, like 
you know, she, she wasn't doing so great. And, you know, she was searching for oblivion. And in the second book, Control drinks a lot. And there was a sentence in the book talking about how he was, like, looking for oblivion and drink. And just this idea that people are just so miserable <laughs> with their lives that, you know, we search for oblivion in all types of different ways. Um, it was kind of just an over overlying theme of the book that I thought was pretty cool. And Control ends up falling in love with the biologist's replica, practically. Like, right. he chases her <laughs> practically to the end of the earth. Um, Even farther, maybe. After after <laughs> what he found, he pretty much found oblivion and then some, you know? Like, mm-hmm. the book ends with practically the, what is um, kind of uh, implied the world ending, you know? It's almost like everything seems to be going to shit here, and he just kind of chases the right. biologist to wherever she could have gone. Broken Dial Radio.